Hey, Black Swamp Podcast listeners. This is Tim. Thanks for joining me. Uh, real talk. Summer is busy. I've been in and out of the office, taking some personal time with the fam. Uh, our artists and educators are traveling for summer events and clinics and performances. Uh, we're spending time with their friends and families. Although I have some future conversations scheduled with Scott Deal, Teddy Hall Jr., Danielle Moreau, and Andy Bliss, I had trouble pulling together a new episode for this week. But I was thinking over the weekend about some great conversations I've had regarding entrepreneurship, which has been somewhat of a reoccurring topic on the podcast. So I pulled together a couple highlights from past episodes with Donnie Johns and Joe Gramley, who both uh, focus heavily on the idea of percussionists being entrepreneurs within their educational circles. So if this is your first time listening to the Black Swamp Podcast, welcome to this best of episode. Thanks for tuning in and feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Apple, please throw us some stars and better yet a review as that helps boost exposure and push our little podcast out to more enthusiasts like yourself. So another best of, here we go. Uh, let's pull some audio from an early conversation with Joe Gramley. Uh, I think this is episode number six, I believe. Joe is actually one of our very first official artist endorsers. Uh, he's built a stellar solo performance career as well as longtime collaborations with Yo-Yo Ma and the organist Clive Driscoll-Smith. Uh, Joe lists versatility, building trust, and the ability to have conversations with professionals outside the percussion field as solid foundations for being an entrepreneur and building a career in the percussion community. So let's listen in. Part of what I really want to talk about is because you're your career has been uh, really varied and um, you know, obviously successful. Um, if, if you could touch on how maybe some of that developed or what you've learned along the way or what um, is a strategy, if you have one, or um, just kind of building a career in the percussion or music industry. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, for me, it's always been about remaining open to new experiences and again it goes back to the collaboration as i started in new york in the 90s um freelancing and and forging a career as a as a chamber musician broadway musician and orchestral player uh the key for me was just that being open uh being and being versatile across many different percussive platforms and as I developed my performing career my teaching um, interest grew and my teaching experiences began to inform uh, my work as a performer my performing work most definitely informs my work as a teacher and so the sort of my pedagogical career and my performing career developed and grew at the same time to the point where in 2007 they met in the middle they met in the middle when i was very much uh, involved in the running up silk road and uh, commissioning and performing and touring with silk road and uh 
this fear, this want for me, uh, a need to, to, to give back and to focus more of my energies on teaching. So I made a conscious decision to uh, combine those two worlds. And that was when the job at the University of Michigan came open. That was 2007. I applied. I remember I had played a concert in Chicago uh, when Chicago Symphony Silk Road had done a week of, of uh, concerts. And I remember that my interview at Michigan was the morning after the concert in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> so I got the first flight out. Um, I think I even had to wear the same concert clothes that I was in before. <laughs> well, hopefully there's an iron in the hotel room somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was lucky enough to get the job, and and it, this allowed me, as I was, was talking about before, to to combine my two true sort of areas of focus and the things that I loved the most, which were performing and teaching. And to do that and to get to that point, I think, Tim, the key was remaining open to any and all experiences and opportunities that presented themselves to me, mm-hmm. be it um, playing on Broadway to playing at the Metropolitan Opera, uh, recording solo CDs, collaborating with Glenn Velez, whatever uh, came my way, I wanted to experience that. And while I was doing all of that, uh, the 21st century sort of arts landscape also began to change. And a student and a young professional was now called upon to do more than ever. You were called upon to be able to play drum set, to be an exceptional orchestral percussionist, to be able to read down a Broadway show, to go into a school and become a teaching artist, uh, to teach privately. These skills were needed uh, as certain sectors of our field started to become both more competitive and uh, have less jobs. Yeah. So so I found myself teaching at a time when what, what I had done, I think, uh, I think it could really help people sort of find their path in music. And that's really what I'm dedicated to uh, now that I'm in, especially now that I'm moving to Jacobs School of Music at Indiana University is, is this portfolio that one must have. It's, I, I think of it as a mosaic, yeah. one's career these days in, in music. You know, some of the pieces are going to be brighter and shinier than other pieces. Some are going to be larger. But it's this combination that's essential for us all to have a life in music. And it's this mosaic that I, that I, I focus on now. And I try to I'll move some pieces in and some pieces out depending on where my musical and pedagogical interests take me. Right. But it's this combination which really makes me thrive. So how do you best address that with your students? I mean, obviously in the in pieces that you choose or, um, uh, you know, being affluent in playing marimba and playing drum set in theater work, I mean, obviously there's ensembles on campus or there's, you know, activities on campus, whatever, but is, do you kind of address that specifically in how you teach or the way you teach or how you kind of structure your studio? For sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I begin with just your core, your core foundational, um, sort of the four to five major food groups. Candies at the top. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Ice cream. Ice cream. Um, 
Yeah, anyway, so uh, you have your core foundational four major food groups, uh, snare drum, two-mallet keyboard, four-mallet keyboard, symphony, and uh, complementary accessory percussion instruments. Um, One must have a strong and solid foundation of core technique and sound on those instruments and with those techniques. And that, for me, is at the undergraduate level. From there, we build on that with two two areas, uh, a selection of hand percussion, again, developing core fundamentals of, of technique and sound. Mm-hmm. But also, for me, this is where my job comes in. I need to find a way in with each student. What makes them happy? What's going to make them thrive? What areas do they have? Where, where do they have deficiencies? And how can we address those deficiencies in a way that's going to uh, keep them moving forward and is going to augment their skill set? So if there's a deficiency in time or groove, let's find a hand drum that can can satisfy the requirements of sound and technique but can also address the elements of sound, time, and groove that they might benefit from. Um it's about a conversation. It's about, again, you have to build trust with each student. And each student's going to have a different area that they might gravitate towards. And one of my jobs is to help the student to understand that these core fundamentals are necessary for them when they want to take that next step to that area that is truly their passion, where they find a niche that might be in their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And what I love about percussion is that each of us has a different set of talents and skills. And no two percussionists, this is the thing I love really about what we do as percussionists, have the same job. And, ha- and getting that student to that point where they can access and actuate those skill sets on their own. Right. And that's, that's my job, right? Sure. Um, do you ever integrate, I mean, from your experience as being uh, associate artistic director or learning how to um, uh, book gigs, <laughs> um, uh, work with uh, programmers, you know, work with possible, you know, composers, commissioning stuff, more of the kind of nuts and bolts of, of being a working musician? Do you ever integrate some of that? Oh, for sure. I, I, I talk about that all the time in lessons and in master classes. Uh-huh. And I sort of call it MLC, music learning curve. It's about being able to have a conversation with, with anyone sort of up and down the food right. chain, you know, from the production manager who really needs to be one of our best friends as a professionist. Right. And the sound guy. Totally. totally. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing also as I've, and now I'm almost 50, as I've, as I've seen my friends and colleagues in other areas of our fields develop their careers, it's amazing how you run back into people after many years. I remember that, let's see, 1992, I played the Marlboro Music Festival in Vermont. It's, it's very famous uh, for string players and pianists. Uh, Peter Serkin and, and Rudolf Serkin. Rudolf Serkin was the founder. Now the artistic director is Mitsuko Uchida. 
They brought me up to play the Bartok Sonata for two pianos and percussion uh, with Andras Schiff. And I remember I met the stage manager. Her name was Cotton Kloster. Super nice, right? And I remember, uh-huh. very important to be nice to everybody. It's easy <laughs> to be nice to Cotton. It's nice she, to be nice. Yeah, because she's so awesome. Well, uh, let's jump ahead 20 years. Now she's the director of international touring for Columbia Artists Management. Right? right? This was her summer job as a stagehand from Walworth. Well, one tour, the Marinsky Orchestra from St. Petersburg with Valerie Gergiev came to New York to play Carnegie Hall. They needed an extra percussionist. I got lucky enough to be called by Cotton after all these years. Yeah. So you never know. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's just, I mean, proof that, uh, yeah, you can be a great player, an amazing musician, but if you're difficult to work with or you don't return phone calls or you you don't learn the rep or take time to to be a nice guy, like you're not going to get called back. Or when an opportunity comes back up, like you're saying, years down the road, um, you may you might miss out on a on a on a great opportunity. So yeah, it's cool to hear that you I mean I'm I'm sure a lot of educators do, but just from your experience, you can integrate kind of that into your your pedagogy, into your instruction. Yeah, I think, Tim, I think you've probably seen this as well um, over the years. Uh, our field has, has exponentially grown in leaps and bounds in terms of the amount of great teachers and great players yeah. out there since I was a student, you know, since I was 15. And what I tell my students now is, you know, there are so many great players out there, you know, everyone can play, right? But it's those intangibles, being prepared, being early, being nice, being a great hang, being an empathetic citizen, being open to new experiences, being able to have a conversation with with anyone, building that trust. It is is those, it are those, excuse my uh, (laughs) grammatical issue at the moment, but those attributes are the ones that are going to serve serve you well in a day and age when when everyone can play. This conversation with Donnie Johns is more recent but interesting to hear how some of his comments overlap with Joe's thoughts. Uh, use Donnie's uh, recent PAS article about percussionists being entrepreneurs as a specific springboard for our conversation. Uh, Donnie shares thoughts on multitasking, prioritization, self-care, and confidence as building blocks for becoming a successful entrepreneur and percussionist. Donnie is an active performer and educator in the D.C. area, having just completed his annual DMV Percussion Academy in July. So let's hear what he has to say. So multitasking. Um, Again, you kind of write percussionists need to develop abilities across many instruments and genres. Wait, did I write that? I wrote that. I was summarizing for myself. You, <laughs> I was summarizing. So nah, it's good, man. It, it's, yeah. Hey, look, it's kind of good. I'll, I'll take credit for it. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So basically, percussionists need to build some abilities across, uh, you know, various instruments. Obviously, yeah. 
you know, we're, you know, snare drum, timpani, mallet instruments are kind of the main core, but, you know, Latin instruments, drum set, um, mm -hmm. orchestral, drum line, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then um, different genres. Um, I mean, just like you stated, either Latin or, or orchestral, or, or you were really into funk. Uh, yeah. And um, so different styles, and we need to kind of transition through those. And so what you wrote was an entrepreneurial struggles honing a craft marketing promoting budgeting forging partnerships uh self-care uh there's some other things in here dealing with challenging personalities uh, rejection like like there's just some cool like stuff in there that you address that i don't think maybe people always consider or or like self-care like okay i don't have time for that you know i gotta i gotta stick to the practice room or you know right. challenging personalities you know maybe i'm the challenging personality you know like, right. like a, so how did um and obviously there's this parallel between being a mm -hmm. percussionist and being an entrepreneur can you can you talk a little bit more sure. about that sure you know i look at it i've always looked at percussionists um people have asked me in the past you know why did i choose percussion why do i enjoyed so much for me um it's never boring i feel yeah. like if i played just one instrument um i would get bored eventually percussion is one of those things where i've said it before it's both readily accessible in other words you can put a shaker in someone's hand they can shake it and hey they're playing a percussion instrument yeah but sure but at the same time it's also kind of inexhaustible in terms of of just the amount of knowledge that that is inherent in it right so in other words you can be playing for 30, 40 years and be a master in one particular field and still be a complete novice in another field. Yeah. So it's kind of this paradoxical thing where it's it's readily accessible, but it's also something that takes a whole lifetime to master. And so you, you're never bored if you're fully delving into learning more and more about it. And so for me, that's, that's kind of fascinating to me that I enjoy um, always learning new things. I enjoy kind of kind of juggling multiple roles and responsibilities and um for me that kind of it kind of excites me you know sure i mean you you kind of alluded to it's natural to be overwhelmed like mm -hmm. by by a lot of these things like how do you address that like if you're talking to your students and i because i assume uh, you know this is part of your what I, I would call a curriculum or like some sort of yeah. part of your your philosophy teaching philosophy like how do you yeah. how do you kind of address some of these issues um and not, not get overwhelmed it's a good question i think you know to some extent you have to kind of sort of be wired towards this type of like it's not for everybody you know sure. yeah you have a certain kind of proclivity or just wiring towards um, this field, but then also at the same time, um, just being able to prioritize and understand that while the tasks are immense, you don't have to consume it all in one day, right? Or in one sure. week, one year. And so being able to kind of, you know, uh, parse things out into uh, digestible chunks, right? Like understanding kind of putting first things first. This is where organization comes in the key, comes into play, yeah. and that out figuring out what's the most important priority now and focusing on that what's going to be a priority down the road and kind of just mapping things out but again it's the fact that there are so many different responsibilities in front of us it forces you to to plan and be organized 
um, you know, lest you get, you know, toppled over. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I, um, I, I love that you said prioritize. Cause that's a word uh, that was kind of my word for 2020 because I had, you know, obviously I, I was talking to lineage percussion several yeah. months ago, students yeah. of Tim Adams and you know, part of our conversation was like, there's multiple kind of pandemics. And at that time we were kind of, I felt like we were living through two pandemics. Now I feel like we're living through three or four, you know, like obviously, um, you know, social issues that are going on, the, the, the actual um, pandemic, you know, COVID-19 and then election season. And even, even now you're in, you're in DC less than a week after um, yeah. the events at the Capitol and, and yeah. stuff. So it's like, I have, there's all this information you're trying to, to digest and process. And then I'm reading, I'm researching, I'm like trying to, you know, look at our, read articles, uh, watch videos, read books and things like, and then decide, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to prioritize this? Because sometimes I feel like I, I have fear of missing out. Like, okay, yeah. I, I got to watch this or I got to read this or I got to learn, you know, so musically, Maybe students are like, I got to learn this, or I got to read about this, or I got to work on this piece. And yeah. you mentioned first things first. It's like, are there other ways that you sort of organize or prioritize, you know, what what you're trying to digest or or get through? Well, you know, it's I, I would say it's it's hard in general. And to be honest with you, I I think that as percussionists, we kind of have that wiring that we we want to just be kind of in everything. <laughs> yeah, sure. And and honestly, I I think some of that can actually be good. I think most of my percussionist friends are like just a little bit zany, myself included, right? <laughs> and, you know, some of that actually lends itself towards what we do, right? Yeah. But but it's also a matter of, of kind of harnessing those energies and, and, and prioritizing. And look, I'll be the first to say, I'm not always the best at it. Yeah. But, but um, that's where I lean on um, friends and colleagues and those that help me Kind of organize my thoughts. We'll, I know we'll get into it more later with, with my business. I have associates that, um, you know, I'm kind of like the creative visionary, you know, ideas popping like popcorn 24 yeah, 7. Yeah. Yeah. And then kind of like, all right, you know, right. <laughs> they help me do that. They help me kind of structure and organize and prioritize and all right. that good. So it's a team effort. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, it reminds me of working at Black Swamp, to be honest, because we're, we're, uh, us, I mean, you know, we're a small company. We all have our different roles, but yeah. yet we sometimes we come together and in our VP of operations, uh, Jamel Taylor, mm -hmm. he he's like, so, I mean, he heads up production and kind of organizes all that and handles purchasing basically operations, and, right. but yet he's super creative and has really great kind of marketing ideas. And so we, uh, you know, bounce stuff off each other all the time. And, and sometimes I got to struggle to keep up. Like, I've, okay, I got to write down, okay, what did we just talk about? Like I go back to my office and write this stuff down. And then I kind of process it and organize it and what, what's viable and what's not, or what do we pursue next yeah. and things like that. And, and, and Nathan, um, uh, you know, same way he, he helps with the podcast, but he's, uh, uh, you know, does our shipping and then put and branding basically. So all of our mm -hmm. online kind of social media presence. And then he's been working on videos too, by the way. Oh Good. yeah. I appreciate it. It's been a work in progress for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. So yeah, it, you kind of, 
we all have our different seats on the bus, I guess. Right. Um, exactly. But, but we sometimes we we all we talk on the bus. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, exactly. um, um, one thing I thought of when I was kind of reading that section on multitasking was, I mean, there's a cliche phrase, jack of all trades and, and sort of master of, of right. none. Like, do you, I, I mean, how do you kind of feel about that? Do you feel like you have to be a master of all trades or you kind of need to be like proficient at everything? Um, I, I think, I think inevitably you're going to have areas that you excel in better than others. Sure. And, where you know you get to a point where if you want to do several things on a high level you got to just bring other folks in yeah. um i i think you know i have i have skills in, in a variety of areas and, and whatnot but you know i also know that i'm not a master of everything and so you know part of i believe being a leader is recognizing your strengths and weaknesses and then also recognizing the strengths in others and how you can bring others in to help sort of complement those areas and so i think eventually it gets to a point where you've got to you know depending on the, what, what you want to do you've got to bring in a team you know yeah. it's beyond just kind of what you can do but i think on an individual level it starts with you know being a visionary having an ideas in, in your mind of what you want to do and then producing a body of work that kind of warrants people's respect and warrants, you know, people's uh, warrants your credibility. Sure. So people want to then come and work alongside you and help build things out even even larger. Yeah. Um, again, I think it's, I guess, kind of our philosophy at at Black Swamp. Like, we we have like a really great team right now, and we all have our spots on the bus. It's kind of basically like right. I said before. Like, right. so we all kind of have our focus and then we do overlap and here and there and we're all kind of we have our different strengths and weaknesses uh which i'm still <laughs> so i've been working for black swamp for over 20 years and i'm still discovering my weaknesses oh, so long process <laughs> um so kind of the next topic of the article what i saw was uh confidence and yeah. this, this like when i read this next uh little quote i tell I even tell my kids this, my girl, um, my oldest girl uh, is playing violin and I talked to her about playing percussion and you write in the concert percussion setting, every note performed as a solo. Yeah. Uh, we must yeah. have the courage to take initiative and risk embarrassment of having our mistakes exposed. Like, I'm like, you're play, if you're playing triangle or you're playing crash cymbals in an orchestra, there's no hiding. Like, right, exactly. You know, and even though, like, it, you're not the only one playing in the ensemble, you're the only one playing crash cymbals or bass drum or a, a mallet lick or whatever. So, exactly. There's I, no crash cymbal section. <laughs> no, there isn't. I, no, I, I, a drum line, a Margie man might have one, but that, that's yeah. a whole thing. Right. And I, I tell my daughter, I'm like, I mean, yeah, you've got to practice as playing violin. Obviously, like you, everyone has to be playing together and everyone has to be in tune and mm -hmm. everyone has to be you know, connected like that. But I'm like, man, there'd be days, you know, I don't play, do orchestral work much at all anymore. But when I did, I was playing a lot of triangle and just mm -hmm. standing up and, and playing uh, like Mahler or something and mm -hmm. sitting for 20 minutes and then standing up and trying to play a triangle, triangle note or whatever. Like, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's harder than people think, you know, and yeah. um, 
like you said, it does. I forgot one of my teachers told me that, and I can't remember which one who's which one said it. But yeah, just remember everything you play is a solo, yeah. you know. And so just having the confidence of just putting yourself out there and 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 taking that risk, and you know, you prepare in your score study and your listing, your preparation, your technical preparation, and all that. But when it comes time to do it, you gotta just gotta just go for it and do it. And you know, you know, the preparation has to be done beforehand. Yeah, when, sure. When you're in the moment, you gotta just just go for it. You can't overthink it. You gotta just do it. Yeah, and and basically, you're what you're talking about in the article is character trait. It's a similar character trait for entrepreneurs. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and so, I mean, I guess we already just talked about it, but there are some more some more you wanted to share about that or kind of expand? Well, I mean, I think, look, in, in the beginning, when you're starting a, a you know, business or what have you, you're going to have um, a good deal of naysayers. I mean, like I told you before, I started, um, I taught in the schools for 10 years doing um, a band and orchestra, elementary, middle school, while I also played, you know, as a freelance percussionist. Um, and then when I left, I left, you know, the the comfortable kind of, you know, cushy. Um, I taught at a charter school in DC. So okay. it was a solid paying position. Um, and then I left that to pursue my own career, not only as a freelance percussionist, but also to start my own, my own business. And, you know, um, <laughs> there were a good deal of naysayers, you know, even people that were very much, you know, like friends of mine, family. Yeah. And, you know, so I said, just to say, you know, you're not always going to have all the support that you may have once it's, it's successful. When you're first getting off the ground, it's kind of a, it can be a, it can be a lonely road sometimes, you know, <laughs> Sure. you got to believe in yourself because, you know, a lot of people, you know, the nature of human beings, man, you're not going to get the masses until there's a successful product. Right. And so when you get something off the ground, it's going to be you, maybe a few faithfuls, but it's going to be mostly you. And so you really got to just believe in yourself and believe in your value and believe in what you bring to the table yeah. uh, to be successful. Yeah, interesting. Do you have any marketing or like business background or is this just sort of uh, uh, on the job training? Um, on the job training, man, you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm kind of a uh, fly by the seat of my pants person. And yeah. um, you know, I'm the kind of person, man, I don't know what it is, man. You know, I seem to work better kind of just, you know, um, I don't say I don't plan. I do plan. I do plan and, and prepare and organize. But yeah. when the pressure's on, I kind of just, I do better under pressure almost. Like when I was in school, like, you know, I would try to, if I had a paper due in two weeks, I would try at times to like map it out, a little bit today, a little bit this, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. But if it was the night before, I would crank that thing out. <laughs> you know and that's just kind of, you know, I'm just different, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This has been a BSP production, recorded and produced out of Black Swamp Percussion Facilities in Zealand, Michigan. Audio and production assistance by Nathan Coles. Intro and outro music by Adam Hopper. Hope you enjoyed this best of episode, and we'll be back with a new guest in a few weeks. Take care. <laughs>